Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. I'm Kelly O'Mara, and we're back after a break for me to Ironman and recover. Now, for the next few weeks, we'll be doing all Olympics all the time. We have interviews with Olympians lined up from now until Tokyo starts, starting today with the up-and-coming U.S. star Morgan Pearson. Morgan was second at the World Triathlon Race in Leeds earlier this year, third in Yokohama, and has now propelled himself to the front of the list of favorites going into the Games. But four years ago, he had never done a triathlon. So he talked to us about what he learned coming from pro running, what's the hardest part of triathlon, becoming an Olympian and seeing your friends become Olympians, and how the U.S. men are upping their game and working together. Now, will the U.S. win the mixed relay in Tokyo? Me and Morgan think yes. And Laura Sedol is back for Sid Talks. We recorded literally hours off her second place at Ironman Lanzarote to answer the question, is it really the toughest Ironman in the world? And then we dissect what is going on with Kona spots this year, why some pros are very angry about rankings, and the Olympic drama around that mixed team relay. All of that after this break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two Velo Press books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS dozens of training plans through today's plan software and a free finisher picks package each year all for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how and how to join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus that's outside P L U S one word.com. All right, we're back with Sid, fresh off a second place at Ironman Lanzarote. Oh my God, you were 45 seconds out of first. So here's my question. Is it really the toughest? It's like rumored to be the toughest Ironman. Is it really? Um, I think I'm still a little bit like dazed and like, I wouldn't say I'm quite <laughs> fresh off the back of a second place. Um, I should not feel too bad. It is, it's certainly a, it's tough just from, it just wears you down. It's just a long day and... Like I think, I think there's two races that let, let's put all and I all iron distance, all full distance races are tough. Let's say that right. I think, to get to the finish line, um, I would still say I think Challenge Wanaka when it was the full on mm. conditions that is a brutal, brutal, brutal course, and I would say um, challenge, uh, challenge, sorry. Iron Man Wales as well. Oh, I, yeah, Wales is supposed to be brutal, brutal for sure. Brutal course because Wales, you don't get the respite in the run. The run is there's no flat in the run as well as on the hills. But I would say Lanzarote though is definitely up there as one of, if not the toughest. Just from like, and like July, it's even windier, it's hotter. Um, yeah. And obviously, I think probably what makes it tough as well this year is like COVID times. Of right. It was right. like, you know, it was quite a small race for competitors. And obviously there's not as, the crowds were amazing. I will say that, but there's obviously not as many there. Um, 
And yeah, we, we had a few, there was a few bits of course changes on the bike course due to some roadworks and stuff, which meant you basically had sort of 80, 90K uphill into a headwind <laughs> half of the of the course um so that was fun but yeah that was fun it, yeah that's always the like was it fun and you're like i don't know yeah, yeah. which part is the fun part <laughs> yeah um the fun part was like the little bit well you got obviously got quite you got some fast sections with tailwind and then you kind of thought you're on your way home and they just make you do a little out and back, which then turns you back into the headwind. You're just like, oh, okay, all right, slog. And it's like the next 4K is going to take me forever and then I'm going to turn around and then the 4K back is going to be like so quick. Nice, so, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I mean, COVID protocols are interesting because you were saying, obviously, I mean, uh, well, one, like literally the numbers are different, right? Like numbers are different, travel restrictions are different because I was at Coeur d'Alene and Coeur d'Alene, just felt like regular race. Like there, they were basically the standard the protocols were basically like nothing where volunteers would touch you or like your stuff. So no body marking, no sunscreen, no gear bags, no change tent. Like just do your transition at your spot. And it turns out that works just fine. And we don't need all that logistics anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but then other than that, I mean, other than the only like annoying one was that they wouldn't hand you your special needs. So you had to stop on the bike. Yeah. So most of us like most of us just did it. But other than that, it was like com- completely regular race, like totally normal, like as if as if we're not still in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, I, I mean, I hadn't raced Lanzarote before, but obviously done a few races of the full distance before. Um, so yeah, we had we were literally masks all day, and they had bins right on the water's edge, so literally the last moment before the gun went you took the mask off and then you're into the water um we did have gear bags which and it's interesting now you say that because yes we had to pick them off the pegs ourselves but actually it was a split transition so to get our run bags we just dumped them in a truck on the day before and then they'd been transported down and hung on the pegs by the volunteers and yet when we got to the run obviously there were volunteers in the tent, but they couldn't help us. We had to take them off and hang them back up and do everything ourselves. And yes, sun cream was in little pots. Um, on the bike, obviously, we had the bottles handed to us. Special needs on the bike, I've heard from Lanzarote, is stand, like you have to ride off and get it yourself anyway. Um, mm-hmm. That was the case two years ago when they had it. So again, you know, we did. I didn't. You know, I put stuff in there in case, but didn't right, right. using it. And then on the run, obviously the. the it was there were again volunteers at the aid stations but it was self-service so to speak so they were filling up and putting the cups on the tables but you were you were picking it up and stuff and then oh man it got it got i told you like i mean it was 101 degrees of correlate so that was supposed to be the rule but like it got messy (laughs) it was like grabbing ice (laughs) i think picking up towels off the ground putting them in your mouth right like things you probably shouldn't do in non-covid times (laughs) i mean i think the race the Lanzarote this year was quite small in numbers. So actually right. that was like, there, you know, you had a few people on the run course, maybe a little bit of congestion around aid stations, but it wasn't too bad. And then the finish line was just like, I, I think the race did a great job. I really, I'll have to, I do have to say that, but it was just a bit of an anticlimax because there were no supporters allowed near the finish line. Mm-hmm. So you crossed the line, you weren't even given a medal. The first thing you were given was a mask and a bottle, you know, and water if you wanted it. And then, you know, and everyone was then sort of 
ushered as you do normally through to like the, the recovery zone but it was very different you got your t-shirt and your medal was in a bag that they gave you right and then you went into the food area and again they gave you a bag of food which I have to say I was really impressed with the the selection of food that they gave you and the amount of food was amazing but it was kind of like here's your bag with your t-shirt here's your bag with your food now please please leave <laughs> <laughs> and then you sort of like you go out and because you, you're not quite in town, you're a little bit out, but there's nothing really around. There's the beach, but you don't really want to go and sit. You're sandy and salty anyway. So I'm just like then sitting on the floor with by a lava rock sort of thing going, yeah, right, right. Mates, I've just finished a race and eating food and stuff. So yeah, very, very different. I mean, in our, our presentation at the finish line, we didn't get, we didn't even get a medal to put on ourselves or, or flowers or, you know, or anything like that um we did stand on on the podium sort of thing um for photos and then they they did have awards the next day which I actually wasn't even expecting and I'd originally booked a flight home sort of thing thinking I need to get home and start isolating in the UK um and then I mean had to change it for different reasons but yeah the awards were the next day but again very sort of again they did a great job but quite muted it was only really award winners were allowed to be there and that sort of thing. Interesting. I got to tell you, I think if you had been at Coeur d'Alene, you would have been <laughs> like, wait. Because like, I mean, even the couple Canadian athletes I was talking to were like, oh my God, it just, it's just completely different. It's, a, yeah. it's as if, it was, it's, it's as if everything's over. So the international athletes, the people who like, the Canadians who managed to come in, but now we're going to have to quarantine for two. They were just like, what is hat? Like, this is so, <laughs> such big crowds. This is more people that I've seen in yeah. a year. Like, it's kind of nuts. I, so. I spoke to a couple of friends who had been in Canada, but went down to watch and they were like, whoa, so much anxiety. There was like more people than I've seen for the last two years. And it was just like, ah, but like really good as well. Like really good. No, it was fun. It was super fun. I mean, fun, fun, fun. Yeah, fun right? it. <laughs> uh, and it was funny though, with all this, like, like you were saying, I mean, there's so many, or like we were talking about, there's so many things you do in the middle of a race that afterwards you're like, well, I'm, that was not like picking up sponges off the ground and, <laughs> and, and or like grabbing ice with your hands. You're like, this is just not actually sanitary. Generally, <laughs> not a great idea. Yeah. Um, and the aid station, and because it was a hundred whatever degrees, yeah. the aid stations at Court Lane were just swarmed. Like it actually got to be. I've never seen this before. That many people stopping on the bike that then it would be like this swarm of people stopping. So then even if you were riding by, I couldn't grab bottles because there were so oh, many no. and they were so big. It was all, it pushed me into oncoming bike traffic at one point. And I was like, well, this is bad. Oh, well, I've never well. seen that. And it was just because it was so hot and people were so stressed that they were just yeah. these huge groups at aid stations. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Between us in the last two weeks, I think you probably had like the toughest race just because of the conditions being so brutal. And then mine was just like meant to like the toughest race in the world. Obviously, Meant to be the toughest, yeah. to besides Kona. Yeah. But it's interesting that you also thought it was going to be a virtual award ceremony because here is what really stood out to me at Coeur d'Alene. They told us it was going to be virtual and roll down. And then when the athlete guy came out like a week and a half, two weeks before, it was not. It was, oh, it's going to be in person. And then usually races have what, like 50 Kona spots, 75 if it's like a big this race ultimately had 200. Woo. Woo. And they put like 50 of those they put on like two days before it started. I think 
some race got canceled in Europe. I don't remember which one. And they just like took the 50 and dumped them on Coeur d'Alene because Coeur d'Alene was happening. So it ended up one, it was an in-person roll down Two, it ended up with some of these age groups, like the big men's age groups, 21 spots in an age group. And then they're rolling down from there because some people have them or, and because people didn't know, like, like one of my colleagues was like 26 or something in an age group that had 21 spots and he didn't stay because he had booked a flight and he didn't know it was going to roll down to 26 because nobody, because that's crazy. Like if you were 20th, you wouldn't think like, I'm going to get a CODA spot. And he definitely would have got one. Well, so you're like, oh, so it was just, I mean, roll down took, I think, hours. I didn't stay. Yeah. But like, and it was nuts. They, they definitely didn't do roll down at, at awards. So that still was very virtual. I mean, I got, I got an email like race night, but I know for the age groupers, there was nothing, nothing at the awards either. So I'm presuming that was all or would be all email. But again, I don't know how they're doing that with, Europe because as you said I think we're just sort of top loading the US races because I yeah. think that it's likely that they're the only people that's going to be able to travel to Kona bar you know excluding the pros sort of thing um yeah I mean what became kind of obvious was that they are like I'm extrapolating here but that they're having trouble filling it because yeah. they are obviously dumping spots on US races because US races are happening so they're pulling like when races cancel in Europe they're pulling them off yeah they know that even Australia races it happened and people had to accept their spot and pay for it, but they don't know if they're going to be able to go. And if they can't go, they won't get a refund. So they certainly had a higher rate of people not taking spots because they just didn't know. You have a higher rate of people not taking spots, even at the ones that are happening in Europe, because people don't know. Yep. It's going to end up being like an all-American coda. <laughs> like, but isn't like don't don't isn't it is it um baseball that it's like the world championships and it's just America kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> What's that like America does that or the hockey, the ice hockey? But it's just like something there's other sports that do that. Yeah, I don't know, because like the UK it'd be interesting to know. So Ironman UK was on Sunday. Um and again, maybe it was slots from there that they took because again, I don't know, think the UK at the moment is able to enter the US um so maybe they did yeah I I know for the pros they increased the number of slots at Lanzarote and I think they increased the number of slots at at Ironman UK but then there weren't that many people entered and racing because we could get into the UK (laughs) everybody gets a spot (laughs) (laughs) obviously the other joke my husband he's making is so they can't fill Kona right now they're like but still only 35 women yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) I should have remembered that yeah there's still going to be the same number of women because there's no space on the pier there's no space on the pier even though we can't fill enough slots Yeah, I mean, the other problem with why they're moving slots is even the races, like I want to say one of the Canada races, uh, like this is probably where the spots came for Coeur d'Alene, got moved to October. So that's after. So then they had to take those and reallocate them. And there's, and it's, it's yeah, yeah, there's been quite a few, I think, that have been moved from like what would normally fall in the current year qualifying to that September period. Um, so, I mean, this year is going to be quite weird year in Kona but then next year is as well because there's so many opportunities for women women athletes I should say athletes generally to race September that might not be doing Kona this year to take all those those slots already for the following year and it's like if there's still just a set number but then there are more races next year in the period it'll actually be harder because there'll be fewer spots at each race 
is, is what we thought was going to happen this year, but then obviously it all yeah. got pushed. So it's um yeah, it's weird. It'll yeah. be weird. It'll be yeah. a weird Kona. It will be. No one knows what's going to happen. No. No, be like nope. No one knows what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing though that we were talking about that was like I don't want to say contra- controversial coming out of the races this past week was the rankings then for the pros, <laughs> how they came out of them. So I we talked before. I think you can say controversial. <laughs> you can say controversial, yeah. I mean, so we've talked before about the the, the PTO rankings, the Pro Triathlete Organization rankings. They're based on this, like, like you get points based on how close you are to an ideal, t- the adjusted ideal time. Yes. And the issue that a lot of pros have, there are lots of issues. We've written an article about it. I'll post it. But... <laughs> The issues that a lot of us have is that they don't know what that time is. <laughs> they don't know if they, so this last week, and I think it really came as my light because one at Coeur d'Alene, you know, you had some people doing course record times. Granted, it was a slightly easier course this year, whatever, but course record times in really high conditions. You had like Sam Long with a breakthrough race and they were getting less points than they'd gotten for other performances. Yep. And then you had Lucy Charles win the European 70.3 championships in a, course record time under four hours yeah, ridiculous yeah. beat holly lawrence and apparently it wasn't the ideal time like she was no, still she off was the still, ideal yeah, time she was still a couple yeah. of minutes off and like yeah like you said i think sam long and then the whole podium at cord lane was all broke the record the course record and yeah okay i don't know you say the course might be easy i didn't know what had changed but the condition they changed the run so, uh, but, but yeah but it was still 100 degrees right are hard, and that makes it tough and that's why it's like how do you have an adjusted ideal time when there's no way of taking in, I mean, I think they do try and take the weather, but you don't know the race dynamics. You don't know if someone's yeah. been drafting their ass off behind a motorbike or just in a pack or, and stuff like that. Also, there's some races that the PTO are getting points from for the rankings, which have never had a pro race before. So how yeah. are you knowing what an adjusted, an I- adjusted ideal time is? But yeah, it does... and I think the flag the flag here is that the pros don't understand it and the pros don't get it and it doesn't seem to matter how many times the PTO try to explain it it's not making sense to the majority of professionals racing and if that's the case then something's not right I mean yeah and I I would almost say it does I think they understand it I think they don't like, like, like they think it's, right? it's not a question of like, explain it more to me. They're like, no, that is wrong. Right? Yeah, like, that is, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a bit of, yeah, probably a bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. yeah. But it does. Yeah. It does it like Lucy's before, like, I mean, Lucy's just on a flyer this year um, sure. on a, a, everything she does, she does <laughs> this sort of thing and her performance. Yes. Um, at the 70.3 European champs going sub four hours for the half and, breaking I think swim bike run record and everything else and yet she was not close to the adjusted ideal time and you're like so she was close she was like two minutes but still it's it's like this is actually relatively try 47 seconds close (laughs) (laughs) two minutes you know it's still like we're talking yeah it's still legit yeah it's close but it's not that close when you've just broken a record kind of thing Uh, the other thing I think is noticeable though about her or about this and why it's is the pros of all kind of, there's been rumblings, right? Like people yeah. have been not happy. Yeah. But Lucy now, Lucy Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley, is a very big star in the sport. Yeah. And she is now posting publicly, like this is bullshit. Like yeah. not in, not in like a m- m- muted terms, right? Like this is dumb. This is stupid. Yeah. 
And so I think, so that's going to start getting like mainstream attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? When, and like Sam Long too, right? Like he has a pretty good following and he won and he had a great oh, race. Yeah. And, and the, he's also posting like. He's like PTO. Well, both, the funny thing is like both Lucy and Sam are like PTO poster childs. Right. Like, so it's interesting that then they are then being quite outspoken against it. Um, I mean, it, it's hard as well because I don't know what the solution is. And I think that's the hard thing. Like, you know, when you complain about something, you almost want to, you want to complain, but you want to be able to suggest this is a better way of doing it. But I do think it would be worth getting a bunch of the professional athletes together to work with the PTO on what a ranking system might look like and nut out all these. I don't feel they are engaged. I think think, they're alienating them. Here's my solution. You ready? I think it should be based on place, not time. Yep. But that there should be like a depth of field, quality of field multiplier or factor, right? And that that should pretty much be. And I think it shouldn't just be like, I think the point that like 70.3s and Ironmans and all, like everything just counts the same doesn't really make sense, right? Like you should get points towards the thing that you're good at. Like, Like, not generally, yeah. yeah. You know, there's a couple of examples, like with the Collins Cup ranking at the moment, you've got a couple of athletes in there in automatic qualification spots, but they've openly said, we are not half distance athletes. We are full distance athletes, but our full distance results have got us in an automatic qualification spot, but we're not the right pick for Hmm. the team. So there's that aspect to it. And then the other thing we were saying, like you, you was, you know, are saying that you finished the race Oh, yeah. So, like, Coeur d'Alene, like, we were talking, I mean, sure, I finish, and I'm, like, ranked 300 or something, like, who cares? But Sarah Pianpiano, for instance, is competing for a Collins Cup spot, like, and she's good. She toughed out the day and finished in a much, much slower time. Yeah. When she could have just DNF'd, but finishing is going to tank her position, whereas DNFing... Would not affect it. Would not. I mean, yes, she wouldn't then be eligible still to be picked for the Collins Cup because you have to have done a race. But, yes, it's this... Is that better to like are we yeah, we're punishing athletes now for sticking out and finishing it because then that's a bad time or just that one bad day and that bad race then plummets them in the rankings and aren't we meant to be kind of supporting the pros, not crucifying them? Yeah, and I mean obviously there's arguments for you you run yourself to destruction to get a fast time yeah. or your DNF. And there's no in between because you get penalized. Yeah. I was going to say, there are arguments, obviously, for why pros sometimes will drop out when a day's going bad because, like, like Lionel also had a really, really rough day at Coeur d'Alene. And now he's going to have to do another one to get his Kona spot, right? So if he had just at that point, plus Tri Royale, plus the Tri Royale battle, right? So if he had decided to just drop out at that point, I mean, I'm not, I like would have understood. I would have been like, okay, like he's going to have to do this again. Yeah. You need to preserve. I get that. But he didn't. He toughed it out. Yeah. Very like, and I saw, I mean, he was walking. It was a hard, shitty, rough day. So then it's like, now we're going to penalize him for that? Like, I don't know. Like, is that what we really want to be doing? You know? No. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, and like I said, I don't know what the solution is um, personally, but I'm sure there's a lot of smart, pros out there who have like like you said you know like you you've got good ideas that <laughs> and the the pto should be originally we are an organized we are an organization supporting the professional athletes and the funny thing is you know 
any other year, this didn't make a difference because there's no money on the line. But now right. it's money and it's rankings and it's actually could be massive for some of the professionals, but it's also going to break some of the professionals. I know. My husband asked, why does everyone care? And I was like, well, some people care because they could make millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why they care. That's why Lucy cares. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, on the whole, like, what is what is the spirit of the sport thing, right? Like, are we trying to encourage DNFs or, or flame out? Uh, we were also talking. Good link. Good link. Thank you. You like that transition? Yeah. Like that. We were also we were also talking about the Olympics and what's the the spirit of the Olympics because the big controversy in the ITU world last week has been some countries are basically saying they're going to tank the individual race or even tell their in- athletes that they cannot race the individual race even though they qualified as individuals so that they can focus on the relay. And then World Triathlon came out with a statement that was like, that's not in the spirit of the Olympics. That's not the spirit of the sport. But then other people, you know, the counter arguments like, well, you want to get the most medals. That's yeah. the whole point, and, right? And a lot of, you know, and rightly so, a lot of the governing bottle, governing, bo- <laughs> governing bodies, um, their funding for the next cycle comes on right. the number of medals they win. And so you could say, look, well, if we don't get a medal, then you those few, those athletes aren't getting funded the following year anyway, whether they're starting or not. But I do think that if the individual has qualified for the individual event, they should be they should have to start or they should be able to choose to start. Um, Like, for instance, Canada, right? Like, Canada did not qualify a relay. Individual athletes qualified at Canada for individual spots, and now they have enough individuals they could make a relay, and now Canada's telling those individual athletes that they, well, depending, you know, whatever, if they're not medal contenders, that they cannot race. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Because if you talk about medals and they think they're going to get a if they didn't qualify for a relay spot, then you're not going to get a medal, probably, so your athletes just race in the individual because that's where they have qualified and actually something might happen and maybe they can get a medal kind of thing. Yeah, it seems that seems a little bit. But, you know, this is then what is going to happen if like I love like and we've said it before, we love the mixed team relay and we think it's a great addition. But the whole how you qualify as an individual or you qualify as a team and then are people are nations going to yeah make their athletes sacrifice their individual races for right. the better of getting a medal in the team and is that i don't think that would happen in any other sport i don't think it's weird get, i don't think you'd get in athletics a 100 or a 200 meter sprinter um like tanking tanking their- well, the other yeah but then i was thinking i was thinking about it more out of you yeah. yeah i'm just like i'm just like um diminishing the 100 meter sprinters and the 200 meter sprinters saying it doesn't take anything out of you to run several rounds of well they well what i was about to say was they have a the other thing that's different there though is in swimming and in track they have relay pools and so the pool yeah. will often do the rounds leading into it and you that's only bring correct. your star out for the final so that that's is. like a totally like it's a totally different true correct ballpark there right like we could have triathlon where we have a relay pool of athletes yeah and people do different things yeah so i don't know but yeah that's true you're right on that one. Like they always have like the 400 meter runners who will do the rounds and then, which I right. think is always harsh as well. Cause I'm never sure whether they like, if someone, 
qualified the team for the final, but then they don't get picked for the final because they bring in their star runner. But does everyone get a medal or is it just the four in the Yeah, final? everyone gets a medal if you race in a round. If you race in any round, right. you get a medal. Yeah. And like obviously the joke with like the US 4x1 or 4x4 team is like you could almost put anyone in those rounds and yeah. they'll get through. So. Yeah. yeah. Apart from your Olympic trial winner, don't put Well, yeah. Anyway. So that's why part of the question is if she's going to come in for the final because even though she won't be eligible for the round because her ban is finished by the time she gets to final yeah yep so it's a whole thing um but yeah the relay i mean there are obviously there are countries too that are also like notorious for playing politics with olympic selection i'm looking at uh canada australia a little bit great britain um (laughs) and so they always cause controversy because it's always like why did they pick that person who's not as good and they like think they're gonna have some big strategy yeah yeah it's it's gonna be interesting it's really soon (laughs) 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 and i got to i was talking to a bunch of the u.s athletes and one like first like yes individual medals are first like primary and then they really really want to do the like the relay is a big priority but they're basically like well if i'm you know if i'm in like 23rd Maybe I don't kill myself to get like 22nd and I like stay it for the real. But if I'm in 12th, I'm going to like go for it. Right. Like yeah. that's, I think, the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, like, I don't envy, sele- again, I don't envy selection panels or creating selection policy, but I'm quite happy to sit and throw stones at it all. <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah i mean in defense of you know the people like australia and always playing games they outmaneuvered the u.s and they got three men's spots and we did not and that was 100 percent them just being more on top of australian um controversy on who they picked for their athletes and Mm -hmm. everything along with that so yeah but yeah it's all but it starts (laughs) in three weeks four weeks Three and a half weeks. Well, I think I think a lot of teams. Well, this was the other thing about Australia. Australia only announced their teams last week. A lot of athletes, yeah. teams are flying out this coming week to like go into holding camps or get out. They're doing their final prep and stuff. Um, although I did hear that maybe a couple of teams have stopped and now not going on holding camps in Japan. No, a lot of yeah, a, lo- a lot of them have canceled yeah. that because it's just not a good idea. They're the British yeah. are still going and stuff like that. But yeah. Dude, Canada hasn't even announced its team yet, which is crazy. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. If you want to talk like super crazy, that's crazy. Yeah. That is. There we go. <laughs> that's kind of like just be ready in case you're going to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big race. So you don't need that much prep for it or like, you know, get your nerves under control. It's just the biggest race event in the world ever. Every four years, now five years, because it's been like postponed, the whole world will be watching. (laughs) And it's not like there's a whole lot of paperwork or anything you need to do beforehand. No, 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 there's not that many protocols that you're going to have to abide by or the playbook that you need to read and know all the rules (laughs) are to make sure you know what you can and can't do when you get over there. No, it's just yeah. a small thing. Yeah, it's just like your local yeah. triathlon. It'd be fine. Just rock up on the day. <laughs> be fine. Yeah, I feel bad for those uh, those athletes. So. <laughs> but it's starting soon. It will be very exciting. We have all Olympian interviews for the next couple of weeks. So, Yay. Yay. Mm-hmm.
All right. Well, thanks for talking to us, Sid. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, Kelly. All right, this week we're talking to Morgan Pearson, who was the first uh, U.S. man to lock down a spot for the Olympic team, second at the Leeds race, third at Yokohama. Morgan, I feel like most people really had you pegged for the next Olympics. Did you, When did you know you were going to make this team, not 2024? Well, you only know when you cross the finish line and get the auto-qualifying spot. But I actually always thinking 2020 I could go. That's why I, okay. even when I started in 2018, that was my goal. And uh, I always had that belief. I mean, of course, there's some days where you're you're thinking, oh, this is going to be really hard. I don't know if I can do it. But always in the back of my head, that was my goal. And I always have belief in myself. So uh, I'd say since day one of starting triathlon. All right. So you knew all along. But like you said, you didn't start triathlon really till three years or so ago. From my understanding, I mean, you told me you like did sprint nationals on a road trip is that really yeah. true? I mean, is that really how that happened? Yeah, it's exactly how it happened. Actually, what happened was, uh, I was I was graduating college in 2016, and I I was trying to become a pro runner. I actually got a sponsorship and was a pro runner, uh, and I was training as a runner. But at the same time, USA Triathlon was recruiting me to try to become a triathlete to try to make the Olympics and all that stuff. And it was kind of feeling like I was being tugged in two different directions because on one mm-hmm. hand, my running was improving and I was getting a lot better from college. I was winning more races and I was PRing uh, just for the different training setup. And out of college, I was able to do things a little bit differently. But on the other hand, I had USA Triathlon and they basically were telling me, we think you can go to the Olympics. We think you can be one of the best in the in the u.s and maybe the one of the best in the world so that's also enticing uh and yeah i didn't know too much about triathlon but they they actually gave me a bike and what happened was i actually came down with an injury a stress fracture in my foot so i missed most of the spring track season and i was you know swimming and biking for cross training i also was still i got a job in the time because i didn't i wasn't I wasn't able to run pro. So I was like, let me, let me work a job a little bit and make some extra money. So it wasn't like I was training seriously or anything for triathlon, but I was swimming and biking. So I was doing that for most of June. And by the time July rolled around, I was actually healthy and I started running. Uh, but by that time you're the track season was over and the next, the next big season is the fall road racing season. So I actually thought, let me drive home to New Jersey. I had never done the road trip across the country and my little brothers just graduated college. So for me, I, I knew they'd be home for a few, an extended period of time. And after that, they wouldn't be home because they're getting jobs and stuff. They're not, <laughs> they're not pro athlete like me. So they have a little more strict schedule. Of course, now COVID, I can go home and hang out with them. Uh, but yeah, so I was like, this will be a great time for me to go home. I'm, not, I'm still getting back into shape. I can take some rest and recovery at home and see my family, which is my family super important to me. See my little brother, spend time with them. And yeah, the sprint national race was it's literally on the way. It was in Omaha, eight hours into the drive and USA triathlon. I kind of mentioned it to them. Hey, I'm, is there any chance this is a good race to do? And they were pretty, they were pretty excited. So they actually gave me a hotel room and they said they'd basically pay for my gas 
So I was like, <laughs> by then I was like, all right, I'm doing this race. I got a, I got a hotel room for the night. I got, they're going to pay for some of my gas money back across the country. So I was like, yeah, let me do this race. And that was that. And yeah, here we are. I, by saying that was that, you mean you won and then you decided <laughs> to stick with triathlon. <laughs> so. Pretty much, pretty much. That's the story. Yeah. When you say USAT was recruiting you, were you that good a swimmer in high school? Like, is that what stood out to them? Like, why? Obviously, you ran in college and you had some good times, but usually they look right. for people who also swam in college or, you know, have some other other thing. Uh, well, I, yeah, because what happened was right out of college, I wasn't, I didn't get that sponsorship till 2017 at the start of the year. So there's a six month period where I was just, I was working all these odd jobs trying to support myself to mm -hmm. run. And just, I was like, in the back of my head, I said, I'd give myself a year to try to get a sponsor. And if not, then I'm maybe I'd, I wouldn't quit running. I'd probably still be running and just like having fun with it, but get us, get a more serious job, you know? But I was like, let me go all in on running for a year. Uh, but in that time, it was kind of a grind, you know, I was working these weird jobs. I was tutoring a bunch at night and I was working on the weekends and I basically was just, I had such a weird, it was a great, I set it up so I could actually train quite well. You know, I could have a good long run Saturday, uh, two workouts during the week. So it was actually for training. It was actually pretty good. And I, it, it showed in my results, but it was just a lot. And I was just, I was mentally getting worn down. So I, in that time, I reached out to USA Triathlon myself, just being like, hey, mm. I, I don't know. You, I just, I've heard some things, you know, that they, they support people. I just didn't know. I was just, I was just inquiring, you know, I didn't know a ton. And I swam in high school. Um, my times were all right. They weren't great. But at the same time, I was, I was more of a runner in high school. So it was even my second sport back then. So for me, you know, I, I think I swam like five minutes in the 500 free yards when I was a sophomore. So, so that's pretty good, but it's not like world-class level, right? Yeah. Like, so it's yeah. like, you know, like I had, but I had potential to do it. Um, and they, I mean, obviously they were interested. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing that they, I think they maybe caught their eye was I was a, a lifeguard and doing oh. lifeguard tournaments out in New Jersey. And I was a junior lifeguard. So all that open water, I was, I'm actually better open water than this pool. Uh, I think because of that experience. Like, even as a lifeguard. Now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think mm -hmm. most, most triathletes are better open water than pool mm -hmm. just cause we don't, we don't really work on our turns and right, right. all that stuff. But I would say like, I've gotten a lot better in the pool, but I've also gotten better open water. So maybe it's gotten so closer, but when you decided to then like, okay, I'm not going to be a pro runner anymore. I'm going to try this triathlon thing. One, did you go all in on triathlon right away? There was still like a little while where you're trying to do both, right? And then two, what was the hardest part about moving over to triathlon? Obviously, you had to pick swimming back up again, but how much experience did you have biking? Well, so to answer your first question, I so over the summer, I I kind of made I was leaning towards becoming a triathlete, but yeah, I, the the tri I was I was not planning on competing on triathlon in the summer of 2017. I said, let me start in 2018. Let me. Let me start biking and swimming. So I started biking and swimming more, but I did a few more running races, including uh, what was it, Club Cross, which qualified me. I, ra I so that was going to be my my last big running race, twenty seventeen Club Cross Country, but I actually qualified for a U.S. team in cross country that competed in Scotland. Okay. So I by then by the time I was in Scotland, I was full in on triathlon training, but I still I was like this is 
a great experience to go. And my coach was cool with it at the time. So I went to huh. Scotland and, and did that race, but I was, I mean, it showed in the result. I was awful. I was one of the last guys to finish and <laughs> because I was just mostly doing not running a lot and just focused on swimming and biking. And, um, so that answers the first question. I think, I mean, I'll still run running races these, to this day. Right. I mean, I'm planning on running some brand races after the, the this season. Like I think it, actually I might run one in 4th of July next hmm. week and a half. So I actually think it's good to do. I think, you know, I wish there's more bike races around here. Um, I mean, there is bike races, but it's, it's, it's hard with, the license and stuff. I'm not exactly, sh- I'm not a pro cyclist. But right, I'll, right. But like, for example, I'm doing, I'm doing cyclocross races in the fall when that happens. <laughs> so I think that's good to do other races. I re- and personally, I enjoy the running races. Uh, it's really fun for me. And I actually think it, it's a good for the sport of triathlon when I do a running race, because uh, lately I've been doing well on them. And I think it gets this triathlete some respect, in my opinion. Yeah. Cause you ran, you ran, what was it? Like a one, Oh, two half marathon at over COVID. And it was all like we covered. I mean, it was, it made like, yeah. Well, news. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, honestly, the time was nice, but with the, with the bigger deal for me was winning. Right. And, uh, I beat, you know, I beat some really good high level. I mean, I beat Jake Riley, who's going to the Olympics in the marathon. So, uh, yeah, like that was just, that was really cool. And it was, it was cool to see like runners. Tra- I felt like runners were giving triathletes a little more respect than normal, which, not that they're not, you know, not that they're not like disrespecting us, but it's just cool to like kind of have that mixed, you know, we're all doing endurance sports. What, why can't we get along? Why, <laughs> why can't, can't we, we be friends? Along? So it's so cool which, to kind of like bridge that gap. And I did the club cross country nationals again in 2019 and I actually won oh, that. Really? So it was like my last two running races have gone, which is cool because like I said, you know, it's like, it's bridging the gap between the sports and it's bringing more exposure to triathlon and uh, maybe some more exposure to running as a, but yeah. Club cross country nationals. I think I did that the years in San Francisco. It's actually very hard. There's like very good people who do it. Yeah. The guy who, I mean, the guy who was fourth went to the Olympics in right. steeplechase. So, and he'll pro- he's probably about to make the team in tomorrow. So, or in two days, whenever the final is, the guy's the best guy in the country right now in the steeplechase was like finished right up, not that far behind me. So, Basically, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to like, yeah, it's good guys. And it's just cool to see like triathletes get excited about it. Runners, mm-hmm. I don't know how they feel about it, but I'm still a runner at heart too. So it's not like a, it's not like I'm not a runner, you know? What was, so then I was, what was hardest about kind of moving into triathlon training, like the biking or the swimming or just like the balancing all of it? What was, what was like the trickiest part? Uh, well, I'll say this, the training actually was the easy part for me. Okay. Uh, I love training hard and I love, uh, you know, bike, you know, biking. I've, I've really started to, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed ever since I started it in 2018, I've just, uh, it's just a fun sport for me. It's, you know, when I was a runner, I was a high mileage guy running 110 miles a week in college and stuff like that. So just to be able to go out for three hour rides and just grind it out. Like, I love that. So the training is actually, that was one thing, but it's actually the racing on the bike, which I wasn't so used to. You can go from training, doing hill reps, whatever, to be going 30 miles per hour around corners with 15 guys within a couple feet of you. That's, that's something that you have to get used to. That's something that it takes practice. It's still something I practice to this day. 
Um, and that's honestly, that was the hardest part for me. That was Is the that, part. Um, I know you like do some of the group rides around here. Do you practice with like other cyclists then in pack riding and stuff? Yeah. So I work, I have a, I have a bike specific coach that for, mm. we just do skills every, you know, we, I, uh, so what happened was in Abu Dhabi. So 2019, I had an awful start to the season. Like when you said, do you think you, was there always a time you thought you could make the Olympics? If there was a time that I didn't think it was the start of 2019, uh, I was a DNF in Abu Dhabi. I had a flat, but if I had better handling skills, I wouldn't have gotten it. It was my, like, it was kind of my fault. I got, I just had an awful start to the season. It was really bad. And I was like, you know, I need to get better at this if I'm actually going to be picked for the Olympic team or what. Just, you know, I, it was just a glaring weakness in my, in my right. race. It was, to me, it was obvious, you know, to other people, maybe not. But to me, I was like, I need to work on this. So I reached out to some different people, some different bike, like some pro cyclists. And I actually started working with this, this guy named Joe Lewis, who's, hmm. uh, and he he's he races on the Cliff Bar team. Okay. He's he's kind. Of, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but he's semi-retired. He still races, but he's a lot. He's more into coaching now. He coaches uh, Boulder Junior Cycling. <laughs> so he's. I mean, I used to meet him every week. Now we meet maybe one, once or twice a month, just just to kind of sharpen up on skills, work on that. So that's been a huge help. Um, and then the group rides, like you said, I'm doing that. Like I said, I was doing cyclocross races. I mean, I'm all in on it. You know, I'm all in on getting better. Uh, I still have to work on it. Um, I'm actually trying to meet with a sports psych before the Olympics just to just to get because I'm yeah. Without getting into it, I mean, I think right now I'm so I've gotten so good at it in training, and I just need to translate it to the race. Mm. When it's like actually, some of the guys that I ride with in training are are more skilled and better than the guys in the race because they're just cyclists. You know, so I just gotta be it's about being calm and relaxed in the race so i gotta work on that too and yeah but that was probably the hardest part the skills i could see that i mean you mentioned uh you know getting runners to like respect triathletes if anybody really doesn't respect triathletes it's cyclists when you show up to the group rides are they like oh no here's a triathlete or do they kind of are they on board now uh well it depends on the it depends on the group ride you know there's somewhere like the stages group ride that one was heavy but it has I don't think it's been going since COVID started. So that one, I don't mm. know what they thought about me. But as I got better at cycling, I've finished higher and higher up. And I, I think that's it. I think it's not I think if you can ride better, they were gonna respect you, you know? Right. And uh, I think I've gotten a, I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty strong on the bike now. So I think they do respect me. But hey, I mean, let's be honest, there's some there's some triathletes out there that don't know how to ride in a pack and are kind of sketchy. So it's it can only, I can only, um, not speak for myself, but I can only ride for myself, you know? Right. <laughs> so the bike skills was hard. Uh, I would imagine like transitions is hard too, right? Cause you don't have that coming from running. Yeah, actually for some reason T1 has always been kind of easy for me. I'm actually good at it. Even mounting the bike, mounting the bike, I... I've gotten pretty good at it. I can get my feet in my shoes immediately. I don't, I don't have to like go on top. Like some people T2 is where I struggle. That's a hard one for me, but I'm actually working on it every day. I, uh, sorry. I, you know, I have some new techniques to get my shoes on. Okay. So I'm, I've gotten better and I, but I, that is a weakness in my race is T2. 
Yeah, I saw you posted like on the trainer at the pool deck and you were like riding with your helmet so that you could practice yeah. your transition. <laughs> no, I knew like that's the thing. I knew people would make fun of me and that's fine. But yeah, you got to practice that transition stuff like whenever you can, because I'll say this. It's one thing to just go out and practice transitions. Go, me go practice, jump off my bike, put my shoes on. When your legs are burning, tired from the race, tight, cramping, whatever from the bike, it's a lot different getting your shoes on than just riding a little lap around a parking lot and, and slipping your shoes on, you know, that, at least for me. It's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that the training was the easy part. Cause obviously you have a reputation around Boulder and I would imagine in the running world for like working very, very hard, right? Like training really hard, training a crazy amount. I know um, you're like kind of friends with a bunch of the runners in Boulder and one like Joe Klecker just qualified for the Olympics too. And you guys, and he posted something yeah. about like how, the first run he went with you, oh. you like tried to drop him and you were like, let's run farther. So like you have this, like, this well, is your do I you ever worry that about up. that? Okay. Because what happened was he was trying to drop us. So we were doing a five mile run up Boulder Canyon from campus and he was a young freshman and he was leading the charge and it felt like he was trying to drop us. So instead of me kind of punching back, like, you know what I'm saying? Like taking the lead and trying to drop him. I was like, let me get to the end. And then I'm going to be like, you know what? Let's go an extra mile just to kind of play that mental game with him. At least that's how I remember him. I mean, that was five years ago. Maybe I was pushing the pace. But yeah, I, I mean, that was like, that's such a good, like, because obviously I was, I was, uh, I had a lot of respect for him. He was like a 404 miler in high school. I mean, he was amazing, but there's so many high school kids with talent these days and for him to just not even complain when I was like, let's go another mile. Everyone else turned around. It was just me and him. That was, that was a great day. Just, you know, I obviously already had a ton of respect for him, but I got even more. Yeah. And as it goes, I mean, you're both Olympians or well, I guess you're not an Olympian until the game start, but you both have qualified for the Olympics now. Um, right. Do you ever worry though, that you work too hard? Like obviously you have this reputation for like, always do more, always work harder. Is there a point where it's yeah. too much? Of course, of course. And that's actually, you know, it's funny because I didn't know I had that reputation. I mean, I only, I, I worry about myself. I didn't even know, like, it's cool. It's it's kind of cool that you say that. Uh, it's kind of cool that you say that, but I mean, I'm not afraid to rest either. Like I'm, okay, I'm going to take my rest if I need it. For example, last weekend I was doing this long run and I just felt so bad. So I stopped it. I did 10 miles instead of 15. And then later that day, I was, we were going to do a 5K swim, and I did 3K. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just there's – just, you have to know your body, I'd say. <laughs> don't, don't measure yourself versus anyone else. Measure yourself versus yourself and really try to learn your body and learn when you're pushing and it's all right. But when you're pushing and it's just digging a hole, that's when you need to back off, I'd say. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of – I think I'm pretty good at that. Obviously, you can always get better, but I think it, that's one skill I do have of like – I know when I can push and I know, hey, uh, it's time to back off. I mean, even just yesterday, we were doing a, a tempo run and the goal was to go – we were planning on going six, but I just I just stopped at five because I was like, you know, I just – my stomach was tight. It just, it just wasn't my day, you know, So I was, and I was mm -hmm. fine with it. Uh, it's not like I'm – I know I'm in good shape based off my, my recent results, so it's not like I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in bad shape. I was just like, I'm just a little <laughs> tired. It was a long weekend. Um, you know, Monday's usually more of a rest day for me, but I, I had a bunch of phone calls with some sponsors and some other stuff like that. So it just, it, I think I just think at that normal recovery I get on Monday. So it's just, it's just a balance, you know?
You mentioned like we were running a tempo run. I think you've been training a lot with Matt McElroy. And then I see like, I know um, Kevin was in town is going to come back and train with you. I know you're training with Chase and like, and I was interested. I've seen you at the pool with like the, the yeah. new squad. I was interested how all these people like, how these little groups form, right? Are you guys all friends outside? Do you like recruit people to come train with you? How do you end up swimming uh, with the high school kids? The high school, that's a funny story. <laughs> that And that's actually, I'm, I'll, I want to say, I always say this and I want to say it again. Like I'm super lucky to be on that team, the elevation team in Boulder. Uh, they're some of the best swimmers in town and the coaching is amazing. That's, you know, there's all these 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 teams and programs that are so focused on getting in the mileage, getting in the yardage. My my swimming's turned around training with them. Like I, you know, in high school I swam with a club and it was all about getting hitting high high volume, high mileage. And you know, actually that's great because as a young kid you're learning to work hard, and I think that's really helped me long term. But in terms of that long term improvement, uh, just working on your technique, working on your power working on all like just working on all that stuff. That's not just crushing the volume. It really makes you a better swimmer. And to be able to do that with the kids, I mean, I, over the winter I was going, I swim with them as much as I can. Lately it's been a little bit harder because I swim at like six in the morning sometimes. And I'm, sometimes I'm training till 8 PM. So it's just like a quick go around. Uh, so I still try to, I'm still trying to go a few times a week. Cause I, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that like technique and speed. And, um, yeah, so that's that was a that's just an amazing amazing how did thing. You, I, but how do you end up swimming with like a <sighs> high school youth team? Um, well, actually, they had a masters team for a little, uh, and then they got rid of it. And luck, I was like I said, I'm super lucky. The coach was like, "Hey, we're gonna let you swim with the the kids." <laughs> actually, Jason West used to swim there as well. He's, oh, okay. he's a really good triathlete in town. So, yeah, I mean, it's been great. It's been great. Uh, and then to answer the other parts of your question, Matt, Chase. Yeah, so Chase, that Chase is, uh, I kind of did recruit him out here, USA Triathlon. You know, this is, I don't want to be cocky, but actually my swimming's gotten a lot better now. So there's not a lot of, uh, it's hard to get pushed in the swim for me a little, especially when I'm training mostly with triathletes. I mean, with the kids, I'm always pushed, but it's, it's always sprint work. We're always doing 50s yeah. and sprint work. And just training for the Olympics. I want to be doing longer sets, harder sets like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, so I asked USA triathlon, I was like, Hey, would it be okay? I know Chase is an amazing swimmer. Uh, he's, I mean, he's one of the best swimmers I know, honestly, he's, he's, uh, he was like a four thirty guy in the 500 in high school. He's a, he's, he's a stud. So USA triathlon is letting, letting him come out and train with me and just, we're doing some harder, longer sets and, yeah, it's been really good. I, I've already improved, you know. I've already improved. I've noticed. Um, so yeah, that's that. And then Matt is just a friend, you know. Um, and we both living in Boulder. We both have a, a high level of respect for each other. And uh, yeah, when we when we when it works out, we link up. You know, it's just that simple. Yeah. Sometimes it's always just like. I don't know. It's always interesting to me who's friends with who here in town and who trains with who because there's like little groups that form, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm like the thing about Matt and I is we're both, we're both pretty, we have our own schedule and our own different coaches and we're fine not we're training. It's not like we're like, oh, we got to train together every day. But it's just like, hey, if it works out, let's do it together. If it, if it's not, it's fine. We're not like, hold it. We're not like, we have to train together, like, or we're, <laughs> or we're losing out, you know? 
but I've also seen you both posting like these joke rules of training or whatever on Twitter. <laughs> where like, like rule number seven, more clothes equals more fitness, like silly stuff like that. Like, uh, how many rules are there? Or is this just an it's ongoing just a list? new thing? It's just a new joke. <laughs> I mean, Matt started the rules and then okay. I obviously have some rules of my own that I, yeah, I don't know. It's, we're just having fun. I mean, we're just having fun with this. You know, we're kind of serious about that stuff. Like, obviously, like we believe in, we're not going to like, it's not like we definitely believe in that stuff, but we're just having fun. You know, I think that's another thing that I really like about Matt is I have a lot of fun with him when we're training. It's a pretty light atmosphere and I value that in a training partner. You know, it's not, you know, we're training hard, we're getting in good workouts, but we're not like, we're not so serious. We're not, you know, we're not like, oh my gosh, we hit the split by like two seconds off or whatever. Like we're just, we're pushing each other. Um, I mean, we, we have different strengths, different weaknesses. So it's nice in that sense too. And yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it, we've, we've learned a lot from each other and we push each other a lot too. What are some of your, you said you have some rules. What are some of your rules? <laughs> uh, what is one I said? People were <laughs> loving, oh, when I I said, make your life into a, make your normal life into a training camp. The rule, I think yeah. that was number seven. Yeah. So I think that's actually something I believe in. I think you see a lot of these people doing training camps and they're all set. And like, for me, I don't go, I usually, I've been in Boulder training for the past couple of years and everyone's talking about training camps. I'm like, honestly, my normal life's a training camp. Like I'm set up to train hard every day. Uh, obviously I have some social life, but it's not. I'm not doing anything crazy social. Like, it's not like I'm like, I need to go to Arizona to get away from these distractions. I basically have no distractions. <laughs> and if they're a distraction, that could be good. You know, I'm, I'm hanging out with friends at the end of the day or on the weekend after a hard day of training for a couple hours. It's not, it's not ruining my, uh, my workout the next day, at least in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So. I saw that one. I saw that one. There's like a few, and obviously I know you're like, you're kidding. The other thing you always post, uh, I mean, it's funny because you say that you like are about performance over social media, but then you have these like rules that are funny. You also do these polls that are funny, yeah, the right? Polls. The, well, the polls, polls on Twitter. Yeah. The polls. I mean, that was just, that was, that started about, uh, last summer in June. It was just a heavy time for everyone. Right. You know, right. Middle of COVID. Uh, it was the election was coming up. There was, of course, these uh, protests going on, and you know all that stuff's really important and really like people need to like people need to worry about that stuff, and I need to worry about it and all that stuff. And but I was actually really it was kind of it, it kind of was a not a fun time because in my mind I was like, Oh, we should have been training for, to get ready for the Olympics. And like, right here, like I was kind of like down and I'm like, you know what? A lot of people are down. So I was like, let me just start these stupid goofy polls. So when people are scrolling on their Twitter feed, like there's this like heavy stuff and that's good. But then every so often they see this dumb poll of like how they like their coffee and it, maybe it can make them smile. Maybe it can make them laugh. And that was, that's the point of it. And it's just kind of, that's that, you know? I feel like they kind of took off. At least, I mean, in niche, yeah. you know, running in triathlon circles, it became like a thing. Yeah, no, some people really appreciate it. And then some people don't, and that's fine too. But yeah, <laughs> it was just that. It was just like, you know, I was having the light side. I mean, I, I, like I said, you know, COVID, the, the super serious, the election, super serious. But 
that doesn't mean you can't smile and just laugh a little. And that's all it was. Like I was just trying to make people laugh and or even if it was at my expense, that's, that's okay. I it did make me laugh though. Cause I was also like, obviously your thing, or I don't know if your thing, but it even said it in your Twitter by at one point, like performance over social media, right? Yeah. What is that about? Now I think your Twitter bio says DNF at Challenge Daytona, which also yeah. cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, that's, I changed that. Well, the DNF at Challenge Daytona was because after I qualified for their – I had two WTS podiums in like three weeks, and I'm just seeing stuff where people are like, oh, he DNF'd in Daytona. There are people like ask – like I'd go get an interview or something, and people like are like asking about that. I'm like, seriously, like all – we have like a 20-minute interview, and you have to ask about me DNFing in the, the race – in Daytona, like, come on. So I just, you know, I'll lean into it instead of being all buttered about it. Uh, and then the performance of a social media, I don't know. That's just like, it, it's, it's like I said, it's a little, um, what's the word? It's like, it's kind of making fun of myself. Right. But like, I don't know. I just, at the end of the day, I think people like, I do think there's a serious side of like young, I don't, I just hope, I can kind of like the message is I think a lot of kids these days kind of look up to these runners that have all these followers or triathletes or YouTube page. And it's like, Oh, how do I get these follow? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there is people out there that really care about this stuff. And I just, I hope like there's people that I hope that having a good performance is always the more important goal than having more followers. Like we're athletes, you know, like at the end of the day, like, having a good race is that's what's important not having followers so i just i just started saying that you know like let's not care about let's not care so much about how many followers or how many likes you get like let's aim for because everyone can you can control your performance you know you can control your performance you can't having followers is like it's not like you, it's i mean it's kind of in your control you can make some cool posts and stuff but it's not really in your control so i and it's just not like it's not a standard to live by in my opinion so that's just it I mean, you did have, like you said, two pretty big performances in like the span of what was it? Four weeks, three weeks, the spring, uh, three weeks, three weeks. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was three weeks. Yeah. Something like that. But like, obviously at Yokohama, the third to a lot of people was like, holy shit. Like that came out of nowhere, but then you followed it up with a second in Leeds. Did you like feel like, or know you were on the verge of this breakthrough or, or is it just, uh, yeah. Like how did that sort of play out? Uh, it's hard to say because okay. in triathlon, it's not like, for example, in running and swimming, you know, you kind of know, you can look at your sets, you know, uh-huh. oh, I did like six by mile and I averaged four forty-five with a minute rest. And you go, okay. I, I know what, I'm kind of in like 30 minute 10 K shape or so, whatever it is, you know, like you can kind of do that. But in triathlon, it's a lot harder, especially ITU there's drafting, uh, you just, it's just hard to predict. And since it's all plate, no one really cares about your time. You don't really know right. how the other people are doing. So I knew I was in good shape. I knew I improved a ton since the 2019 season. Uh, I mean, I had a, eighth, a nice little eighth, eighth place in Hamburg last year, which was a pretty good result for me. But I even knew that was – I actually think I underperformed that race. Looking back, I uh, I made a few mistakes that, that might have cost me some, some places and – I think a, a top five versus an eighth sounds a lot better, you know? <laughs> so I think like, yeah, but like basically like I knew I was in better shape and I knew I had potential, but to go out and do it is like, it's just so much it's, you never know, but so it, it was like really rewarding.
but I was talking to someone about this and I'm the best analogy I have is when you study for a test and you, you study extremely hard and then you get a good grade. That's kind of how it felt to have those okay. performances. Cause it's not like I knew I was putting in the work and working hard and doing what I could. So it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, how did I do that? I knew I had it in me, but it was to go out and do it. It just felt like I like aced a test that I studied for like weeks for, um, Sometimes so the- watching, you know, it makes sense. It's just like, ugh, like watching on the outside, the WTS races can look a little almost like luck, right? Like whether you're in the right pack or yeah. if like things go your way and like, but obviously that's not necessarily like this. If that was true, you would see someone different at the top every week and you don't, right? Like you see the same people like, so it's not just luck, but it feels like right. hard to control, you know? Exactly. Yes. And I mean, it is because there's, you, like, I mean, look at cycling races. It's more of a cycle. It's closer to a cycling race where right. different people are winning. There's sprints, there's packs, whatever. This guy tries to break away. Then like a, a pure running race where it's kind of everyone together, lap after lap, people fall off and then people kick. And then the top three guys are the top three. And that's usually the fittest guys, you know? So, um, yeah, that's just it. But I'll say this at Leeds. So that was kind of Yokohama. I kind of knew I had a good chance to do well, but I also, you never know with other people. But yeah, Leeds was special in another way because it's one thing to have one good race and kind of have that breakout race that you can kind of look back on and be like, yeah, like I got third in Yokohama and qualified for the Olympics. To follow right. it up with another big performance and only th- only three weeks later, I mean, that's such a good feeling because that, that, that really – that was the one where I felt like, okay, like I can do this. I'm not saying I'm going to podium at every WTS I do now, but like I can have that as a goal for every WTS I do now. You know, I don't think that's, there's no, there's no race I should be going into not trying to be the winner and not does having that, that include, as I was gonna say, does that include the Olympics. Yeah, of course. I mean, everyone, you know, it'd be wrong for me not to want to win. You know, I think that'd be a, a cop out, you know? Obviously, I don't. I'm not a. I don't think I'm the favorite or anything. But that doesn't mean I. I can't go for it. Um, talking to like you know people who follow this, we all have this theory that it's going to come down to the run in the men's race. It's going to be a big group in Tokyo and come down to the run. Is that like how you think it's going to play out too? Is that what you've been preparing for, or is it hard to say? Actually, I don't prepare. I prepare for okay. any scenario. You know, um, so I'm like I've been actually been swimming the best I've ever been swimming, but. That doesn't mean anything. I could get I could get swallowed up and push the back, right. and I have to try to bridge up on the bike. And I'll be I'm working my my butt off on the bike too. And then when it comes to the run, I'm I'm trying to get in really good run shape. It's just like that's try, that's I know it sounds so silly. Like you just have to be really good at all three. But at the <laughs> end of the day, that's that's what you have to do. You know, it's a triathlon. It's not a running race. Uh, up until this year, I was probably a way better runner than a lot of guys that would beat me on the run. Right. But I just, I was probably cooked off the bike and I wasn't running well. And I got a lot stronger at biking, a lot better. And now it's starting to show. So that's just a way yeah. to think about it. No, that's true. You were definitely not running as well, like like 2019 or 20, but probably bike fitness there. Yeah. 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 There's, there's different reasons, but. The other thing that's happening in Tokyo is the mixed relay. And I know, I know this is like a hot, I know you guys have to beat the French, right? Like this is a whole thing. And, and arguably even that's like partially why they picked the discretionary spots they did. USAT was to focus on the relay, right? So do you, do you feel like you guys got this? Like, is this what we should be excited about? There's no, 
you no, you can't have that feeling we got this that's off <laughs> well yeah okay, okay like that's not no one should have that feeling the french the british yeah. i actually think the british are going to be maybe even a stronger team hmm. uh just they're just they have no weakness and uh i don't know i'm 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 not but at the end of the day you don't worry about one team you worry about yourself and you go for the gold and that's that's that like you don't you can't try to be sh- too strategic you can't try to be going for just a bronze you have to go for the win and you have to expect that everyone else is going for the win too and just be ready to just basically destroy yourself to get to the finish line first that's that's all it is and all four of us and i think we all want to whoever the you know obviously there's three women so one of them won't be on the team but the mixed relay team so yeah that's just it we're we're just we just have the mindset of, I mean, personally, that's my mindset. Go for the win. Which is harder, the relay or the individual? I'll say this. I've only done two relays mm-hmm. and it's always been the day after an individual race. Mm. And it's, so it's always hard for me because I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm the type of guy that I'm doing the race and I'm, I'm tired the next day. You know, some people, I think they like, they can kind of maintain it for like one more day and then just like then two days later they're getting really tired. But for me the next day I'm like, Oh, so I'm actually looking forward to that four day break or whatever exactly it is. Yeah. I think it could be get four days, yeah, like that, yeah. but as of now, it's, the relay has been really hard for me. I mean, I'm always tired. It's just, it's not, it's not like a lack of motivation because you're obviously almost more motivated with the team, but it's almost that, uh, you're feeling a little, I was always feeling a li- little bit lethargic. I'd say of just like, Oh, like I, you know, the warm ups. I was almost going through the motions a little, so I'm looking forward to having that little break in between and just, you know, I could come down, recover, and then get back up for the race. How long does it take you to recover from like a really big effort? Not long. It's, and it always, it depends. For example, Yokohama, it took me a few days, but that, that's also the travel, you know, we, we're getting mm-hmm. on a plane just a few hours later and flying back to the U.S. And it's like, Versus just like having that time, like I think the Olympics four days will be plenty. Um, you know, we train so hard that our bodies recover really quickly, and we're already like we're going to be fresh going into the race. So it's not, it's just going to be that much easier to recover after. And honestly, it's going to be really hot, and I think that actually, I mean, this is not. I'm not a scientist, but it almost slows down the race a little bit. So you're almost not destroying yourself as much because you're held back by the heat. So I think it might actually help us recover. If that makes sense. Like you, the 10 K times, I think in my opinion, I think if you're breaking 30 minutes, you're going to have a really good chance to win versus Yokohama. We were running 29 thirties. So, uh, yeah, you just, your body's not getting as destroyed, but I mean, who knows if you, if you fry yourself from the heat, like that also will, you know, you probably won't be recovered by that that uh, mixed team relay. Yeah, the, the heat's always an interesting point. The other thing with like Japan is the whole. I mean, it's going to be a weird Olympics, right? How much have you thought about like the COVID protocols? And you have to get out of there right away, and you're like limited to. Are you allowed to leave your hotel room this time? Is that? Yeah, I think we have an athlete. I think we can like stay in the little U.S. area, from what I heard. Oh, okay. The athlete village U.S. building. Uh, I actually don't think about it too much. I mean, obviously, there's there's just the 
due diligence we have to do to be able to go, you know, paperwork, that sort of thing. But I'm so focused on the race. I'm not, and obviously there's, there's nothing I could do to change that. I mean, it'd be amazing to be able to hang out for the week after and, you know, mm-hmm. go to the, go to the track races, go to the, this, you know, I going to like the velodrome would be really cool. Uh, going to, you know, watching the basketball games, all this stuff would be amazing, but we can't do that. So there's nothing to, you can't get emotional about it. Like I'm there to compete, you know, and I always say this, not just about the Olympics. Like for example, um, if I'm watching, like I'm, I'm a sports fan and whether there's just times where I'm like, I, I can't watch a certain game or a certain race because I have to train, but I'm like, Hey, I'm people are, I'm an athlete. People are trying to watch me. So I need to go train and get my training in. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't, you can't skip your training to go watch some, some, uh, some basketball games. So I, it's the same thing, you know, it's my job and I gotta, I can't, I can't get upset about it because I'm there to compete myself. You know, I'm not a fan, even though I am um, a fan, even though you are a fan. Right. But like a lot of people have been asking me though, like with how restricted the, like do the athletes, are the athletes still excited? Like, do they still feel like it's worth it? Is this still like worth it to go to the Olympics, to make the Olympics? Are you guys still into it? Yeah, I think, I think, yes, I don't. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what we work for for four right. years or whatever, however long it might be longer. And the fact that we can't go watch some other event isn't going to make us any less excited. I mean, if anything, we're more excited because we're more excited to compete ourselves. You know, we're all in on our race. Like if anything, mm-hmm. it's raising the stakes because everyone's, you know, I'm sure that I don't want to speak for other people, but I'm sure there's people that they make it and they're like, Oh, I get to go. And then I get to go like experience it. But like now it's like, right. everyone's there just to race, you know, and that's it. So maybe it raises the stakes of anything. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Is there uh, what are you doing after, do you know what you're doing after Tokyo yet? Is that any, is that determined? Well, no, I have to figure it out. Yeah. I have uh, I knew. I, so the WTS, these are WTCS. I got to figure out the, how they're doing the standings and all that stuff because I, you know, right now I'm ranked second by only 10 points behind Alex Yee. And I think, I think it'd be irresponsible to not go after the, the world title. I mean, who knows? Maybe I just got lucky in my first two races and I'll, I have zero chance, but at this point I, I want to plan on it. You know, I want to go for it. Why not? Uh, and then super league, I'm interested in super league but that's in Mm -hmm. September mostly. So that's another thing I'm thinking about. I do want to go home, spend some time with my family. Uh, I have one of my best friends getting married at the end of August. Is it Matt? Yeah. Matt's getting married, right? And you're going to go to Matt's getting married in November. So that's, no, this is a high school friend. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a busy few weeks. Luckily the Olympics is the big one. So that's what you, the eggs are mostly are all in that basket. So like if I can go race and kind of use that Olympic fitness and see what I can do at the end of the day, most of the people are going to be in the same boat, you know? So you just, you just have to, you just have to, you know, obviously I would love to go to Edmonton and win and, you know, go to super league and do great. But like the Olympics is the Olympics and it's, that's the one people care about the most. Um, yes. So I'm going there and that's, that's what matters to me. And if I could go to these other races and maybe have one or two more good performances, maybe, maybe lay some eggs there too. Who knows? I'll do it, but I got to focus on the Olympics. That's what matters. 
All right. You mentioned that you don't really have a social life, but obviously you, I mean, your family's important to you. Uh, I know you went home a bunch earlier this year. Uh, so what are you going to do after the Olympics that is not triathlon related? Uh, not Yeah. So actually the one, so my girlfriend and I have, we have some friends that are getting married in December in Mexico, which I know that's like not right after the Olympics, but right. that'll definitely be like the end of the, after all my other races. And so we're planning on, staying there for maybe a little bit time afterwards as a vacation. So you are so going to actually the, take a vacation. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I have some other plans uh, to do some other rate, some running races that I want to run some fast times. So I don't, I'm sure I'll be trying to get in some runs there. I don't know. I need, I probably should take some downtime. I mean, the whole super league thing is sounds really intense, but, I think in, I don't know, maybe in October I'll do something more vacation-y and then do another one. I don't know. We'll see how well it goes. You know, if I come out on top and like, you know, have all these new sponsors and can afford a nicer vacation or something, maybe I'll do that. But if it, <laughs> if it goes bad and I'm like, I got to grind it out and go like do some World Cups or something, maybe I'll do that. It's all, uh, we'll see. <laughs> oh man, it all depends on, yeah, if you make it to like the Today Show and and can cash in so there you go i mean it's not all about that but you know what i'm saying like it's easy i have i have a few ideas but it's hard for me to be like oh i'm gonna you know right right. right after the olympics i'm flying to hawaii like that'd be amazing but i don't know it's just it's it's hard to figure out and i mean like like i said i want to go home and spend time with family uh and that's that's i mean that's not a that's kind of a vacation so i don't know Makes sense. Um, all right. We were usually finished with a would you rather. And now obviously my obvious one for you is would you rather run or triathlon? I mean, I have to say triathlon at this point. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I like the fact – I'll say this. Being a triathlete and I could still go do some running races is really fun for me. Like I was mentioning earlier in the mm-hmm. uh, interview podcast. So – yeah, I mean, I, I love triathlons now. I have a lot of fun training on the bike, uh, swimming. I, I've really enjoyed it. It's fun to – something fun to get better at. And I know not everyone loves swimming, but I – and not every day I love swimming. Not every day I love biking. Not every day I love running. That's okay. You don't have to be obsessed with it every day. There's certain days it's, it stinks to get out the door. But overall, like, I, I really enjoy the lifestyle. I enjoy the training uh, obviously with COVID, we're not traveling as much, but being able to go see different countries, even if I was a high level pro runner, I probably wouldn't be seeing as many places as I am now. So yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I wish, I just, I hope that, you know, I wish ITU is a little bit more popular in the U S obviously, like Mm -hmm. I think that could, that'd be pretty cool. It's, it's more Ironman focused, but so I wish that was, if I could change one thing, like that would be it, you know, just make ITU more popular. Yeah. I mean, it'd just be cool. Like it's, it's even my, I was talking to my mom a few days ago, weeks ago, and she's like explaining to people that I'm not doing an Ironman at the Olympics. And it's like, you know, it's like, like I, she shouldn't have to do that. It's not, you know, it's like, it, it's not. I, I know ITU isn't like the world's biggest sport, but ne- like, it's not like, it's still like a pretty big thing in Europe and in Australia and all these other countries. So 
yeah, that's just it. Yes. In the US, like Iron Man has been here for longer. There's a lot of why, like, why isn't the Olympics like the one I see on TV from Hawaii? That is the general question we get yeah. a lot. That is what people think. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, yeah. So are you going to do that eventually? Is that on the table? Uh, actually, I have no plans. I, because I was actually considering, oh, should I do try to make 70.3 worlds after the Olympics or that type of thing? But, I just, I just, from studying the sport, it just seems like a bad idea. Okay. A lot. Of, it seems like the guys that try to do both or go back and forth. Of course, Gustav Eden, I think, is in the Norwegians are, I don't think we can look at them as we look at everyone else. Those guys are, those guys are freaks. They train really hard and they're trained really scientific. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't really want, I want to, fo- I'd rather be really good at ITU that's kind of my goal for now in the next couple of years. So why do 70.3 just to, just to try to make some money or something like it just doesn't, I'd rather be really good at ITU and I think doing super league or doing even some running races, like I said, I, that'll help me, you know, mm-hmm. that'll help me down the road in ITU. Whereas I don't see 70.3s. I don't think that's going to help me a ton. Okay. Uh, it actually might make me worse. You know, it's just, yeah. I mean, if, if another opportunity like the challenge Daytona came up, like where it's just kind of like a super, like a one-off race and it's super high level and it's a little bit shorter. Like, I'm not saying I'll never do like a non-draft race like that, but trying to make it as an Ironman or 70.3 guy and ITU, I just, I just, I'm more, I'm, I don't want to do that. But. Are you, uh, if you, uh, would you get on your time trial bike more than like two weeks before the race? If you do that, yeah, again. of course. I mean, Daytona. Yeah. I only got my bike a few weeks before Daytona, right? So it was hard. Like a, you know, I, I can I can bang my head against the wall wishing I had more time, but at the end of the day, I I only got the bike and I rode it a decent amount. But yeah, I mean, that, of course, of course, I would. Cool. So we are going to look for you in the Olympics. We're going to look for you to make ITU more popular in the U.S. And then we'll uh, we'll see what happens from <laughs> well, there. That's, right? that's your guys' job as a triathlete <laughs> magazine. I just want it to be more popular, but I'll try. I mean, I'll try. Hey, like I would love it. I would love anything I could do. I would, I would happily, uh, I'd do it. Well, it's prime time this year. Like the way it's timed, it'll be prime time in the U S for TV viewing. Mixed relay will be fun. So hopefully everybody yeah. watches. No, I think it'll be great. A great event for everyone to watch. I mean, two hours, pretty good race time and the mixing relay 90 minutes, whatever. I think that's amazing. Um, I think they could have really good coverage. I mean, usually the WTS coverage is, is really nice. So hopefully they kind of use what they, they've already set up there. And yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to it. Cool. Well, good luck with everything and we will keep an eye on you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks to Sid and Morgan for chatting and thanks to all of you for listening and for bearing with us during that two week break. Hopefully you're getting as excited for the Olympics as we are. Stay tuned the next few weeks for more Olympian interviews. And in the meantime, Keep training and keep listening.